Good morning, good evening, whenever you're listening. My name is Meg, and you are listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I'm your moderator, and I am joined this week by Pentecost trivia champion, Bill Calvin. Woo! Good to be here. <laughs> By worship director Scott Reed. Yes! Woo! <laughs> hey, everybody. And our special guest, lead pastor David Riemenschneider. Oh, yeah. All, right. All right. Yes, yes, yes. Is that your official title, is lead pastor? Among many. <laughs> uh, Scott, would you uh, open us in prayer, please? Yeah, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for um, the chance we have to come together today. Lord, thank you for this unique group of people around the table. Lord, thank you that David is able to be with us. We pray for Dan as he's not with us today, Lord, that you would just be with him in whatever he is doing. Lord, bless our conversation. Uh, May it glorify and honor you. May it edify those who listen. And uh, may we grow closer to you as well because of it. God, we give this time to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love the way you say Whatever Dan's doing, like it makes it sound like we have no idea. It's like I, he didn't show up today, so I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> Fair I do have no idea. Um, all right, take us away, Scott. All right, so I got into the room that we're in, which is the common grounds currently. In case you're wondering, um, today, and I discovered that I, last week Chelsea asked me if they could use the Would You Rather cards for something that they mm-hmm. were doing. So I don't have them, but luckily I do. I did not download this today. I've had this on my phone for a long time. Wow. Um, unrelated to the podcast, <laughs> it's in my blood. A Would You Rather app. And mm-hmm. so this is going to be a little different. I have zero control over these questions. So I'm going to ask each of you, and then I'll ask myself one as well. One question is going to be different for each of you. Okay. Uh, today we're going to do no reasoning, no defense of your answer. You just say it, and then I'll get to tell you what percentage of people mm. on this app agree with you. Okay. All right. All right. So we'll start with Bill. Uh, Bill, your question is, would you rather own a Fitbit or own Apple's smartwatch? Apple's smartwatch. 78% of people agree with you. Do we, are we aiming to be as unique as possible or as... You get to decide, serious businesswoman. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> That's what Max's shirt says for the listeners at home. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Would you rather, Max, look young for your age or look old for your age? I am 25 years old. If I looked young for my age, how young would I look? Think of Stuart Guild. <laughs> In that case, I'm going old for my age. Old for your age. 17%. Oh, well, that's... You are a serious businesswoman. All right, David. Would you rather... Never have a job or never have a significant other. That's a tough one. <laughs> you definitely got the hardest one so far. Thanks a lot. <laughs> hey, it's the the machine. <laughs> well, know. I'll get a zero percent. I'd rather not have neither. Like you'd rather have both? Yes, of course. Oh, fair no. <laughs> well, I, I can't choose between those. Two. Oh, I see. Fair enough. Yeah. That is difficult for a pastor who's been married for many years. <laughs> Which do like... you love more, your ministry or your wife? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we'll just tell your congregation. We'll just choose never have a job them. and see what the percentage is. Fifty-eight percent of people said they would rather never have a job. That's a pretty even split. It is. All right. And my question. Oh, an ad. Okay, one second. <laughs> would you rather be your favorite video game character or your favorite movie character? Do you know who your favorite movie character is? I don't know either. Um, <laughs> but I'm just going to say gut reaction is favorite movie character, and mm. I can't defend it, so 
if you want to know why, shoot me an email. Uh, <laughs> email podcast <laughs> at bloomingdalechurch.org. 65% would agree with me. Nice. I think worse things happen to video game characters than to Yeah, they die character. a lot. Depends on... <laughs> that's over and over. Shoot. Well, let's get into uh, topic of the week. Topic of the week this week is brought to you by the Portico. The Portico <laughs> is now available to reserve... Excuse me. The Portico is now available to reserve for your outdoor meetings. Please call the church at 630-894-0090 or email info at bloomingdalechurch.org and we'll book you on the calendar. Many church ministries are already using the Portico as their primary meeting place, such as Saturday morning men's prayer group and Tuesday women's break. The Portico, serving all of your outdoor overhead covering needs since 2008. Is that right? Is 2008 the right? It seems so much older than that. Like, I didn't come to the church until, what, 2017? 27, 2018, right around yeah, the yeah. turn. It's of okay, Max. You seem a lot older than 25. Well, that, <laughs> that's, why, that's why I got my wish. Uh, topic of the week. This week and today is a very special day because 17 years ago, a fresh-faced young man named Billy Calvin came to Bloomingdale Church as the associate pastor. We've got Pastor David here. Uh, it's time to share some Bill stories. But David, you actually knew Bill for a year or two before he came to Bloomingdale, right? <laughs> Many years before. <laughs> in fact, back in 79, Bill came to Illinois to be the pastor of the Long Grove Church that he planted. Huh. But our relationship goes back much further, well over yeah. 60 years, in fact, because we were in the kindergarten together back in Akron, Ohio. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any memories from kindergarten with Bill? I don't have many memories of kindergarten at all. Yeah, I only have one memory of kindergarten. We were having some unit on music and skipping, so they played this cowboy music, and we were all in a big circle skipping around. Okay. And man, I was into it because it was cowboy stuff. So I started waving an imaginary lasso, and people were laughing. I'm thinking, "What are you laughing about? This is this is important. <laughs> this is serious. Stop laughing." Oh well, I do want to take today um, to tell a little bit of uh, Bill Calvin stories. David, would you mind starting us off? Sure. I can tell all kinds of stories because <laughs> Bill has been my closest friend since mm. junior high school as mm. we learned to play tennis together, and he became a star. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I've got a story of one that maybe he should tell it, but there was this time that he went to visit somebody in a, in a mental ward of the hospital up the street, and the shift changed while he was there visiting people. And uh, he decided, well, you know, it's time for me to leave now. And, and the staff looked at him and says, no, 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 we want you to stay. They you're, call you're, me by name. You're, you're going to spend the night with us here. We, we want you. We like you here. Yeah. How do you like it here, Bill? <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Did you get out? Well, obviously, I'm here. <laughs> Put my two years in. <laughs> you you want to finish the story for him, David? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I went to the counter to say, okay, it's time to buzz me out. And before I could get the words out of my mouth, they said, hey, Bill, how you doing? I'm doing fine. How do you like it here? It's like, fine. But it's time to buzz me out. I'm going to go home and eat dinner. And I said, no, no, just eat with us. <laughs> Well, no. I'm, my wife's made dinner. I'm, I'm going there. Oh, come on. Stay with us. 
during this shift change, they had a new patient named Bill, <laughs> same size, same color hair, and they thought I was him. <laughs> Thankfully, that man was sitting there listening, and he says, I'm the Bill that oh. is new here. Oh, wow. Boy, were they embarrassed, because I'm reaching for my wallet to show that I'm a pastor. And Sure. Boy, I mean, they couldn't get me out of there fast enough, because <laughs> they thought, oh, this guy's going to be mad. <laughs> They handled it so nicely, though. Yeah. And we're just like, no, you can't leave. <laughs> stay, enjoy dinner with us, please. <laughs> yeah. It's like a horror movie. <laughs> well, maybe Bill was there for violence. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. So you were already a pastor. I thought you were saying like he was in like high school or something and went to volunteer. Like no, no, You were no, a grown man. Yeah. This happened the... here after we moved to Illinois. Oh, wow. I did think of a story. Go for it. So I was, I've been trying to think of stories, Bill, because the stories that I love, I'm not sure if you would want shared. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, he can always edit it if it's way out of hand. True. Um, and so one of my favorite stories, this isn't the one I'm telling, but one of my favorite stories is the story that you told about your experience with the Alpha Online mm -hmm. webinar. Oh, yeah. That's so funny. So this was... I don't even know when this was. It must have. It's been since we started the podcast. Mm -hmm. It was probably week two or three, somewhere in that range. And you were talking about, oh yeah, I've I've got this meeting afterwards with uh, with the financial guy that's coming. I don't remember his name. And uh, and he's he's hopefully going to come over the summer and and do a service with us. And and Scott, why don't you come be a part of this meeting? Because you know it might be helpful to you to know what's going on. I'm like. Yeah, okay, I, I can come. Um, so I come in, and it's after this after the podcast, we go down to your office, and we're sitting, and I'm just listening because I don't know this guy. I don't know what he's about. I don't know anything. I just was invited to this meeting 20 minutes ago. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is nice. Looking forward to this guy coming. And then about, I don't know, half an hour or something into the meeting, something happens, and you're like, well... I got to go. Scott, why don't you uh, keep talking to him and, <laughs> and see if you have any questions or anything. Work out the music. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So you leave, and I move into your seat, and I'm just like, well, I didn't know that this meeting was even happening until about 30 minutes ago, let alone that I would be a part of it. So do you have any questions that I can answer? <laughs> <laughs> and he and I had a great conversation, but that for the from the moment where you're like, oh, I gotta leave, to when you actually left, that like ten or twenty seconds was just dread. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm gonna talk to this guy about. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. Uh, I've always loved the way that you do mid service announcements and the way that you do benedictions. That was like one of my strongest memories from the first couple services that I came to. And I remember when I was still working at Chick Fil A. I think it was the, it, it must have been like the Christmas Eve service or something like that, or right around December, you know, you were saying, oh, like, before you leave, like, stop by the, the tables and, you know, and we got a gift for you. It's only worth about $1,000, but, uh, you know, you can pick it up. It's not about the money. It's <laughs> it's not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then the other one was you, uh, and I, I think you know how much I appreciated this one, um, you know, you're saying... You know, okay, well, you know, we got people in the back. They want to meet you. They're not going to bug you or show up at your house. You know, don't be a jerk. <laughs> Say hi to someone on your way out. <laughs> I was like, I've never been to a church where the benediction is don't be a jerk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bill has always had a, a colorful way of saying things. <laughs> was he like that in high school? Well, he's certainly... 
he's mellowed out as a lot more shy in high school. Hmm. The crazy thoughts were there, but just <laughs> they didn't come out. <laughs> they didn't make yeah. their way out. Bill had an invisible friend that he yeah. talked to. What's well, a Stevie? Right. No, Bill has always seen the funny side of life. Yeah. That's <laughs> a very important yes, thing. Life sure. is too serious. Mm. The ministry life is pretty serious. That mm. is very it's true. It's good to be able to laugh. Yeah. A lot. What is it like working with your best friend? You look at me or to both of you. What's it like working with your best? I get to work with my mm. best friend. Mm. That's, that's Scott. Well, it's been well, I'm his best friend. He's not mine. Here, you know, 17 years. But even before that, we we shared things so much all along the way because he planted a church. I planted a church. And mm. Of course, Nancy and Marina are, are close friends, and yeah. it's been a wonderful thing. It's been a long time. Sure. Yeah. Because, you know, we just celebrated our 44th anniversary, and Bill and Nancy on December 18th are going to be on 44, and... We've been pretty much together all of those years, even though we've been apart. You know, he was up in Long Grove and then out in in Nebraska, and before that, in Ohio, work, working in a church there. Mm. And I guess we've been here the whole time. But uh, <laughs> you know, we've stayed connected all through the years. Mm. Yeah. When I came to Bloomingdale, I thought I, I, I said to him, "I'll be here five years." So it was my way of saying I won't leave before five years. Mm -hmm. But I'll probably leave at five years because the plan was to become a professor then. Oh, at at Trinity. Well, just somewhere. Okay, it didn't have to be Trinity, but I got my feet wet with it. I liked the teaching in the classroom, but there were these committee meetings, and they were just horrible. I thought, boy, you would have to do this a lot. So I began to realize, you know, the action is in the local church. You're really stepping way back from the front of the battlefield <laughs> lines when you get away from the local church. Mm. So it's a lot more fun to work with families, the whole you know, yeah. kids. And and seeing people sure. get saved Adults and healed. And, yeah. And, yeah, you don't see that kind of transformation really anywhere else. It's, it's awesome. So I've been here 17 years, <laughs> which is a surprise to, I think, all of us. Yeah. But I think, it, for me, it's been wonderful. Definitely forces you to live a more honest life because mm. you know each other and you mm. know what is what is true yeah. and what's just a smokescreen. Mm. Mm. Bill and I have had this relationship ever since high school. Well, we yeah. another factor is that we went to different colleges and then by graduate school up at Trinity, we were we were roommates again for wow. a couple of years in, okay. uh, in grad school. I think that's what got us through. Because it was very trying, it was disappointing, it was rigorous, all rolled into one. So David, being there, made it palatable enough to stay. Mm. I don't think if David was there, I, th I think I might have just said, you know, I don't like this. Mm. I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And yet we learned some very important lessons there, Bill, didn't we? The lessons of rigors in academics and Greek and, you know, it, mm -hmm. all of this really helped us. And, and we had some very good yeah. professors, some very practice-oriented professors like Gary Collins and Paul Meyer and Chicksell and these guys who are, yeah. were on the practical ministry side of things. Mm. Yes. What would you say is like the biggest change you've seen in 17 years? at Bloomingdale? Like, obviously, the world has changed since 2003 a lot, but 
Like, what would you say has been the biggest like growth, like the biggest way that the the church has changed? One thing is, when I first came, I was surprised at how few line items there were in the budget. Hmm. And it was sort of like, yeah, we know what we're doing. We're, we're just, but to me, it looked like, man, you guys are just flying by the seat of your pants. It's all on David just saying, yeah, it really goes for that. Because, yeah, you have a line item, but there's really 10 things that should be underneath that line item. Hmm. And then over the years, the people who have that kind of gift for, we'll use Lou Passy, really, really doing a great job being a treasurer. They just bubbled up to the top. And I think what happened also is they saw, hey, there's a place for me in this church. If they came in as a guest, sure. they'd say, whoa, this church is... It's run like a business. I, I'm in business. I, I can identify mm. with this. Mm. So things are more business-like at the governing board level than ever, really. Right. But if you compared it to 17 years ago, I think you'd be shocked at how big a difference it is. Yeah. It seems like the greatest, Scott and I have talked about this, the, the greatest social change in our whole lifetime, I think, has occurred in the last six months. Mm. the the pandemic and the way people relate or are not relating mm -hmm. the way some have moved really into passivity in their spiritual relationships and i i think the jury's still out in terms of how that is going to affect the church but more importantly how it's going to affect the individuals in the church and whether they are are going to go forward as a fully devoted follower of Jesus or just slide into a, mm. a fearful, disconnected state. Sure. It is a very unsettling and frightening time for many people. Mm. And I see some of them really stepping forward in their faith and growing. Yeah. Something I've thought about fairly right. I don't want to say like I've always wondered because I don't think about it that often, but like I've wondered it off and on again for a long time. Well, actually, let me first say this. By did you come directly from Long Grove to Bloomingdale, or was there some kind of interim period? No, I, I started another church in Omaha. Oh. I was out there for eight years. Whoa. And Didn't even know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happened. Well, so like 1995, you go back to Nebraska. Yeah. The funny thing about that, it, there were a lot of things that were convoluted about it all. I went out there to start a church believing that this very large church was going to be working really hard with me on this. Mm. That's why I went out there, because mm. it was, come out here, we'll do this together. Okay, this sounds great. So we bought a house, moved in, and two days later, the board sat down and said, you know, we're not going to do this with you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. And it was because they had a board change. And there were a couple new, mm. not new guys, a couple old guys from years ago came back into the board and they hate the idea of anybody competing with their church. Mm. So they squelched that. And then thankfully the district said, well, just because they said no, that doesn't mean we're not doing this. Of course, the district can't do a whole lot for you compared to a church of 5,000 members. Sure. So... That got off to a funny start, but we could see God doing other things in our lives that said, no, I want you here. For instance, Nancy couldn't get a job out there. So Allstate said, 
we're going to try this as an experiment. We're going to have you telecommute. Nobody had ever done this before at Allstate. This was just so radical. The internet had barely been invented. You know, nobody even knew what the word internet meant yet. And she wasn't really working with the internet. She was working with fax machines and her computer and phone lines. Man, we had phone lines. You would have thought we were running a bookie office, how many phone lines we had in our house. <laughs> so we said, you know, God is watching out for us. He, he wants us here. But honestly, it was a bad experience the first six years. Everything just was like one step forward, two steps back. And at the end of six years, uh, we had to leave yet another rented facility. And I said to Nancy, I'm, I'm going to fast and pray until I get an answer because I, I'm, I'm out of patience. Mm. So I'm figuring this is probably going to be a 40-day fast <laughs> with Nancy saying, you're on a starvation diet, you, know, you can't live like this. Instead, what happened in the first morning of praying and fasting, so I think I'm fasting for about an hour and a half at this point. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord speaks to me very clearly and says, call up Mike Geringer and ask him if he wants to merge. Hmm. Because I knew he had a church that I respected, and they leased a building. They, they, they had to like finish out a brand new, I mean brand new building, so I called him up and said, I need to talk to you. So he came in to his office and we sat down. <laughs> he just looked like he'd been run over by a truck. And he said, listen, uh, I really am paying attention to what you say, but I've just, I'm having the worst year of my life. So if I look like I'm just not really there, it's because I'm not. Hmm. So I told him what I just told you about praying. And he got this funny look on his face. He said, you know, this morning when I was praying, God said to me, why don't you call Bill Calvin and ask him if he wants to merge? But I said, nah, he wouldn't want to do that. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't make the call. So we knew, whoa, this is yeah. serious. When you're both getting the same message at the same time. So we ended up merging. And at that point, Point when the churches merged, which just didn't take long at all, like one month, because there was no time. We were going to have to get out of our building, and they were hurting too. As soon as we merged, the church took off like a rocket. It wasn't like the services were all that great. They really weren't. But the place was just so alive. You know? mm. So we were adding one or two families every week for about a year. Yeah, so the church went from, say, 150, 175 people to like 300 people. But I, I still didn't like living in Omaha. I, I never liked it. And I told Mike at the very beginning, I'm going to do this for two years. And when Nicole graduates, we're leaving because I just don't like it here. I, I'm telling you, Nicole graduated. As far as I was concerned, we could have the U-Haul right there at graduation and just drive <laughs> off. And Nancy wouldn't allow that. So we... <laughs> Stayed an extra like three weeks, and then we left. You know, and you came here. Yeah. What was yeah. the plan when you got here? To really do a lot like what I was doing there. To be involved with Alpha, assimilating new people into the life of the church. And was yeah. Mike doing more of the like teaching? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And before you merged, were you doing like a lot of the teaching and preaching? And oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you. When you left Nebraska, you knew you were coming to Bloomingdale. 
specifically. Mm-hmm. You weren't just coming back to right. Illinois. Okay. Yeah. Yes, and I want to add in here, Bill has done a terrific job here. Oh, yeah. He's put his heart into it. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you very much, Bill. Thank you. 100%. So I want to tell you about the first Sunday I was here. Okay. <laughs> it was to preach a sermon, meet everybody, meet with the boards. And so I preach a sermon, and people are in line to say hello. And I'm watching this line, and the men are kissing each other. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, what is going on here? I don't realize it's an Italian thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very small segment of this congregation. Are you sure? I, the German in me wants to make that very clear. <laughs> well, I know not everybody in the line was kissing, but it, it only takes one or two for me to just say, I've never seen this before. This is, <laughs> I, I got to go back to I, Omaha. <laughs> well, and then, you know, like, we'll just name names. Lou Pavoni wants to come up and give you a kiss, like, on the first day. It's like, oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> right on the top of your head. Right on the top. It's really easy for him. <laughs> you hug him, and you're in his belly button. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so that will always be etched in my memory of, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it was a great experience. I mean, it was a great experience being here. That first Sunday was wonderful. Sure. How did the sermon go? Yeah, it went fine. David, do you remember his sermon? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember. <laughs> That's okay. I think it was a sermon People, where you know. I ate an apple. <laughs> In the sermon? Yes. That's your first sermon as you're eating an apple on stage? It was, was, it an illu- it was a closing was illustration, and uh, I made the mistake of taking too big of a bite out of the apple. <laughs> so I'm trying to speak, and I've got like one of these gigantic red delicious apples it's just way too big in my mm-hmm. mouth <laughs> <laughs> you slobber in there just, it was beautiful I remember the point of this because it sounds really good let's do it again uh, yeah. <laughs> so david asked me at the end now do you do like an object lesson every time? I said no. And now I won't ever do because that's again. David. That's David's thing. He does the object. Very lessons, true. You know? He's thinking. Yeah. We don't need this guy doing object lessons too. Bill, I wasn't thinking that at all. <laughs> um, Pastor David, do you have any final thoughts on? On, on Bill before we oh, move Bill on. Has, <laughs> Bill has been a consistent guy all through these years. Mm. He loves God. Mm. He loves people. He's yeah. not afraid to go out of his way to care, and and he stayed to the vision of mm. of not only this church, but really, I believe, the calling of God, that what the Bible tells us a church should be. We need to care about people who need to be found. We need the gospel. Mm. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. For our, our second topic of the week, I want to talk about evangelism a little bit. It's funny to say, like, evangelism is a big part of this church, uh, but there are churches where evangelism is not a big part of the church. David, you just had a, a kind of an experience, an evangelism experience in, the, like, the last week, right? Well, I hope that's true of <laughs> Every our week. lives all the time. I'm not sure which you are referring to. The phone, the, the lady on the phone. Oh, yeah, that, that was interesting. I talked to this phone about the CD that we have, and I never met her. She's, she's actually talking to me from Arizona, and, and we talk about the times and all, and she starts telling me about how she's afraid about the future because she's got a seven-year-old and doesn't know hmm. 
if it's going to be safe to put mm -hmm. him in school. And I said, would you mind if I, if I prayed for you on the phone? And, and I, you know, I thought it was kind of a bold thing. I didn't want to offend her. Mm -hmm. And she just lit up and was so happy that someone would care. And so we talked a little bit about it. Sure. That's what you're referring that to. That is what I'm referring yeah. to. Because I just think the guts to, to just say that. To say, you know, first of all, you're in a conversation with someone. This is a, you said it's a, a certificate of a deposit, right? It's a bank right. or, or some, you know, right. and, and they're talking about. Well, here, let me point this one back to Bill because I think this is something that Bill has shined in. And, hmm. and I noticed a real change in him after he, you know, he was at the Baptist church in, in Ohio and there was a year there before he came out here, was out of the ministry. Bill, I won't tell your story for you, but you got into sales, and I mm. noticed that it mm. totally changed your assertiveness in a good sense with people. Mm. Why don't you talk about that? I served in the Baptist church, and the Lord really impressed on me, I want you to resign. And I, I mm. weighed that decision for seven months because I thought, I can't believe this is the message I'm getting. But... I finally realized, no, this, this I'm really supposed to do this. And naively, I thought, well, I'll resign, and then bang, I'll be in another church. Well, that didn't happen. So Nancy and I both had that summer off. She had been a substitute school teacher and then became a student. Nancy's such a phenomenal student. The University of Akron came to her and said, would you come here? We'll pay for you to get a master's in math stats and you teach freshman math. Okay. So she's got this really good situation that's very rare because in those days, math stats was a very rare degree, a master's in that. Yeah. The business world was changing, and, and so they created this new, new degree program that nobody really had yet. And I said to her, well, listen, we can't move now because it wouldn't be fair to you. You, you just can't go anywhere and do this. So I'll just get a job doing something. Well, I got a job selling cars at Mullinax Ford. And, and what was hilarious about it is I knew and still really know nothing about cars. <laughs> just, <laughs> nothing. It's got wheels. Like, it's got doors. They're showing me the car lot and all the different cars and saying, and this is our Thunderbird. And I'm thinking, no kidding. I thought that was just a song. <laughs> I didn't actually know those things. And I didn't say that out loud to the oh, guy because okay. I was afraid of being You're fired. out of here. <laughs> and then they would say things like, and here's a half-ton pickup truck. You know why we call it half-ton? I said, it carries a half-ton? No. Mm. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so wait, why I knew... They, wait, why do they call it a... I, I don't really still understand. <laughs> <laughs> but, Listeners, please write in the podcast well, at BlueWindowChurch.org. Selling cars has nothing to do with knowing cars. It, it has mm. to do with knowing people and just hmm. learning how to listen to them and figure out what do they really need that's also pretty close to what do they really want and getting them into that car or that truck. In my case, it was trucks because you make a lot more money off of trucks than you do cars. And okay. I wanted to make money, so I'd stand over there by the truck lot and the used car lot. And you meet probably at least 10 strangers every single day. And you're trying to take thousands of dollars out of their pockets. Mm. So you become increasingly more outgoing because of that. And that really helped me because then we moved to Buffalo Grove and are knocking on doors, and really a very hostile audience because Buffalo Grove is Jewish. Okay. 
So of course you got 90% of the doors, not necessarily slammed on your face, but always shut. So that left you with 10% Catholics and Lutherans and materialists, really. They were all materialists. I mean, that's really the main religion there. So that helped me because I was used to getting a lot of resistance on the car lot. Sure. And I thought, well, this is just life. It's okay. Wow. You talked about like the you know high school Bill Calvin being mm -hmm. reserved. Like, is that where the biggest change happened is on is selling cars or oh yeah okay yeah because every day if you want to make a living you got to get out there and meet all these strangers and sell them a car do you still you know bill turned it for good though he didn't become a materialist or right or manipulative of people at all he learned to be assertive for for good and mm -hmm. and that's that's taking that and making it for good not just merely abusing it I know I asked uh, you, Bill, were very interested in evangelism stories. Do you have one to... My favorite one goes back to when we were in Long Grove, and a lady was inviting her son to come to church. And she was amazed by the church. She said, they pray at this church. I'm thinking, what church don't they pray at? I think what she meant was they pray and they expect God to answer them. Hmm. So... Her son said, I'll come if I wake up at 8 o'clock, I'll, I'll drive over. That's a tiny little church. You know, there's probably like 40 to 50 people in this classroom. And any guest that comes in, you right away realize, oh, good, it's, it's a guest. So this man came in, sat down. He's got real long blonde hair, earrings before earrings were cool for men. <laughs> and uh, in the closing of the sermon i said maybe you've been out partying all night drinking drugging and you're wondering what am i even doing here god has his eye on you he loves you and wants you to have a relationship with him even today and this man is thinking i stayed up till seven o'clock drinking and drugging i woke up at eight wide awake i thought, well, I told them I would do it if I woke up at 8, so I, that's why I'm here. Oh, my gosh, this guy's reading my mail. How does he know this stuff? So he didn't get saved on that day, but he did get saved subsequently. He came to a men's group meeting, and he said, yeah, I got a prayer request. I want you to pray for my roommate, Jan. Now, in those days, people did live together, but not like today. Now you just assume right. everybody young is living together, but not so in those days. So I spoke with him after the meeting out in the parking lot and said, listen, you're a Christian now. You can't be living with a woman. Oh, there's nothing going on. So it's even the appearance of evil. You just can't do this. So he did the unthinkable. He, he left and moved back home, even though he'd been away from home for like eight years. He moved back in with mom and dad. So the very next Sunday, his girlfriend shows up. And she's looking at me like, like a video game. I'm going to just laser you <laughs> into oblivion. You know? And I would be real nice to her. And, and amazingly, she just kept coming back every week. And uh, they decide they're going to get married. The week they were to get married, an older lady from Lombard Bible Church, Mrs. Shepson, Dorothy Shepson, would go out visiting with me. She was really teaching me how to do it. So we went to Jan's home sat down with her, pulled out a four spiritual laws, read it together. She says, 
I want to pray this prayer. So we pray the prayer of salvation. And I said to her, now, you need to tell somebody right now. Just pick up the phone, call somebody. They may not even understand what you're talking to them about. It just, you just got to do that. All right. So she picks up the phone. She calls her mother. And I can tell the mother is thrilled. All right. So we go to their wedding reception. And her family all comes up to me and they say, you're the guy that led Jan to Christ, aren't you? I said, yeah. Oh, we're so glad we've been praying for her. You know, they've been praying for her for like 10 years. Mm. Turns out Jan was a pretty big-time drug dealer. And she um, would have these parties in their home. It was like a three-story townhouse with just all these people coming in, coming out, and lots of drugs. And she was the real organizer of it all. So she got saved and it was like, I can't do this anymore. So she told the guy that was her supplier, I'm out of this. And this is how serious it is when you get into drugs. He would call her five times a day, five times a day, saying, are you ready to come back? I said, oh, Jan, you got to get a different phone number. She says, doesn't matter. He's just going to, he comes to my door too. So for like a solid year, she and her husband told the drug dealer, no, no, no. And they became very active in the church, and they were called into the ministry. And today, they run a great ministry in Prospect Heights called Higher Ground Ministry. It's for the purpose of reaching gang-related families, kids that are tied up in drugs. And I mean, it's it's made a big impact on that area because it used to be in the top five of the whole Chicago area for dealing drugs. They were pushing, they were somewhere in the top five for getting the drugs through Prospect Heights. And now it's not on the radar. It's they've been awesome. faithful to this. I know the couple you're talking about. They've been faithful to this for years now. Yes, like I'll say 35 years. You're going back to the 1980s. Wow. Yes. So that, that's one of my favorite stories because, man, that is going from darkness to yeah. light and yeah. bringing a lot of other people along with them into the light. Did going to seminary make the process of evangelism less scary? Well, tell them about Paul Little's class. Yeah, well, we had a master of, uh, of this, Paul Little. Well, I think this was really one of the good things, and it's really what true education should, should be about. Mm. He would make us go out to Lake Forest College, which is a very secular school not far away, and there we had to start up conversations about spiritual things, and then write a verbatim of what the conversation was. Mm-hmm. And that was a big assignment in the class that mm-hmm. you actually had to experiment. Too much of school, especially religious education, seminary, is so driven by content mm-hmm. that people become educated so far beyond their experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was... That class, I think, it helped us so much, Bill. What do you think? Oh, yeah. You didn't want to go because it's so uncomfortable <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just doing it and doing it and doing it, it was the right thing to do. Sure. And the other thing that helped both of us was an outreach called Evangelism Explosion, which is visitation evangelism. And you hear 
particularly David, asked the two diagnostic questions. If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? If you were to die today and stand before God and he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? That really does get the conversation moving into spiritual matters. And we both did that for several years. Uh, visitation evangelism became more and more unfruitful because people just were doing stuff like, yeah, I'll pray to receive Christ. I just, anything to get you out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of wrap up topic of the week, to the both of you, um, and also to Scott, though it's going to be... <laughs> It's going to involve the last 17 years, so uh, I'm sure you've learned a lot. Yeah, (laughs) Um, Yeah, you were nine. (laughs) What is the what is the biggest thing that you've learned about evangelism in the last 17 years since Bill, you coming to Bloomingdale? You're asking me. I'm asking uh, everyone, (laughs) especially Scott. (laughs) Especially Scott. Well, I'd say since Bill's come to Bloomingdale, what I've learned about <laughs> About the times are ever-changing, and so the methodology that you communicate the simple gospel changed, but the message has not changed hmm. and should not. Could you say what the message is? Well, it's that we're all sinners, we're all messed up, and we need a Savior, and he's the only hope we got. Yes, I, I've learned this from watching David. It's just staying very, very close to the unvarnished truth. That's where the power Mm. is. So even though everybody's heard it over and over, we are all sinners. We cannot save ourselves. Jesus Christ, very God, died on a cross for our sins. But it's not enough to simply know that. You must take action. That unvarnished truth, you see people just kind of like yawning when they hear that. But there's somebody out there that the Spirit of God's piercing their heart with that truth. And to try to dress it up and make it more palatable, it doesn't work. Hmm. You just got to go with the truth itself and not worry about the fact that it just sounds too plain, too simple. I think the topic of bringing truth to action versus just having knowledge Hmm. you know we're so we're so into knowledge and understanding and i'm all for that but it does seem to me that it's like the old adage of frank sophia when all Hmm. is said and done there's a lot more being said than done Hmm. and i think that that applies to our spirituality our just knowing things doesn't make us closer to God. Really submitting ourselves to him does and, mm-hmm. and learning to walk with him, not just be able to talk about him. Yeah. I think it's another whole topic. I'd be glad to talk about it again if you want. Amen. Absolutely. Scott, what did you learn in the last 17 years? I think that I would venture to say that I, everything I know about evangelism I've learned in the last 17 years. (laughs) You really weren't into it before you were eight years old. (laughs) You knew nothing of it. All right, I got a little kids evangelism story. Do it. It involves Megan Estes. Yeah, perfect. She's going to be on this show. All right, you've heard some of this story (laughs) before, but the the gist of it was our children grew up with Megan up in Long Grove. And Joel and Megan are real close in age. 
So Joel is at Megan's house and he's crying and carrying on. And Megan, because Joel's a real sensitive kid. Mm -hmm. So he's crying and carrying on and Megan's like, what's wrong with you, Joel? <laughs> so I'm upset. I'm upset because you're going to hell. <laughs> and she's like four years old. <laughs> what do you mean I'm going to hell? You're going to hell, Megan. You need Jesus. So they pray so that she receives Jesus into her heart. Yeah. Now see, there you that's, go. that's evangelism I can understand. <laughs> but it shows that even little children, they have a hunger for being right with God. Hmm. You got to got to really give them a lot of credit that you, it's not like you got to reach a certain age before the Holy Spirit starts working in your life and moving you to do something. Yeah. Dan Bailey was the music director here a few years ago. He got saved when he was like three and a half years old, and he can remember it so clearly. And how after he prayed to receive Christ, he's just kind of like running around the room, jumping up and down. He's all excited. And you think, wow, that is wild. So Holy Spirit deserves a lot of credit. <laughs> True. <laughs> Amen. Does anybody have anything that they do want to say? It's been an unusual episode, but does anybody have anything that they do want to say? I apologize if you can hear me breathing through my nose. My nostrils are so dry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's the loudest thing in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. I, I I wonder what that was about. <laughs> I always have. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, uh, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rathers, uh, trivia quizzes, or... Just your loud, dry nose sniffles uh, to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org, just like Rebecca did. Rebecca asks, uh, would you rather have coffee with Mary or Martha? These are Lazarus's sisters. Martha, because she'll make the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Scott? I was also going to say Martha. But not for that reason. I wish I'd thought of that reason. Uh, because I think, um, I remember when I was doing premarital counseling with Leah a year, a year and a half ago, and and uh, the pastor, Cody, asked us if we were people-oriented or task-oriented, and I'm definitely task-oriented. And I think Martha, Martha was task-oriented. So I'd be interested to see, or to hear, I guess, how she learned from that experience and like what her life looked like going forward. Mm. Well, I think we learn... We learn a lot about walking with God by being around people that are walking with God. So I would say, Mary, but I agree with Bill, Martha needs to make the coffee, particularly <laughs> if she uses a whole bunch of those sweeteners, because I can't stand coffee without it. <laughs> I would go, Mary. Um, I'm very interested. I, I've always wondered about what the what the relationship between Mary and Martha was following that you know, following Jesus kind of pointing out Martha and saying like, hey, like your sister is doing the right thing. Like how did that change things? And, and you know, how does you not, how do you not let that get in the way of your relationship? Um, and to finish things off, if you could have coffee with any biblical figure, any non-divine biblical figure from the Bible, uh, who would you choose? I would choose Adam, and I would say, why? <laughs> <laughs> why did you do it? <laughs> He'd be sitting there naked, and I'd grab him by his shoulders. I was also thinking someone someone from early Genesis. I was going back and forth between a couple options, but I'll say Adam too, but 
I'm just so curious what the world was like then when mm. people were living 900 plus years when sure. the Nephilim mm. were around, which I don't know, that might have been after Adam's time, but it just seemed like it was so different in a lot of ways. I'm really curious about that. So maybe Adam, maybe Noah, but someone in there, mm -hmm. Methuselah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one guy would be Caleb and want him just to rub off on me. You're looking at me like you never heard of this. Is guy. Caleb a judge? Caleb. Caleb and Joshua. Joshua and Caleb. Caleb and Joshua. Oh, okay. Hey, Bill yes. and I did a uh, first person sermon as Joshua and Caleb years ago. Oh, that's Remember? really? We should pull that huh. out. Yeah. You should. Yeah, I'm not remembering that one. So. There was an apple at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> Grapes as big as. But Caleb was the one that spoke up. Joshua was quiet. Caleb spoke up and said, mm. We can take this land. God's with us. Mm. You know, don't listen to these other spies. And he's standing in front of a hostile audience, like yeah. three million hostile people. <laughs> and Caleb's just throwing caution to the wind. We, this is our land. God's with us. Who can stop us? Let's go. Yeah. Thinking, wow, you go, man. That's the kind of guy I want rubbing <laughs> off on me. Yeah, for sure. I would go um, Elisha when we did a Bible Breakfast Club, just reading his story of how he has just the guts to say to Elijah, like, I want your power. I want a double portion of your of your power. Mm. Um I I I love uh Elisha's stories are awesome. And he is the he's also the one who uh was bald, correct? Mm -hmm. And uh sicked a <laughs> baldy. <laughs> sicked a couple bears on a group of children. I would ask him about that. Too. I, I don't think they were children. I, I think they were probably like twenty something men. Well, then that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I, I don't think we're supposed to picture <laughs> like a bunch of ten-year-old kids. Hey! Ah! <laughs> and Elijah's just not having any of it. It just yeah. brings in the bears. <laughs> Bring in the bears. Oh man. Well, shoot, that is more than all the time that we have. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Pastor David. Thank you, Max. Bill, it's your special day. Take us home. <laughs> You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Take that, <laughs> Omaha. Yeah, not you, Omaha. <laughs> <laughs>
what would you like to say about Pastor Bill? And she said that he is the most positive person she's ever met Mm. and that he has always had a heart for the lost. And I was just like, that's true. Um, I've never seen him say a negative word against anybody. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, like how many people are there like that? Mm-hmm. There, there aren't a lot. <clears throat> My sister and I went to a youth group in Arlington Heights for a while, and it was really music-based. Okay. And it was called Sold Out, and it was in um, – they they bought like a little building, a coffee house, and we would have these huge lock-ins and stuff like that, and there just wasn't enough room. So I remember my sister going to Pastor Bill and being like, hey, we want to have this rock concert, mm-hmm. and there's going to be a couple different churches coming together, and we just need the space. And Pastor Bill was like, come on in. Mm. So we brought in a couple bands, and I think there was a church from Ohio, but uh, long story short, it was... There was some heavy metal Jesus music going on there, mm-hmm. and there was Mosh Pit. Mm-hmm. And I remember <laughs> Pastor Bill getting right in the middle of it with all the kids. <laughs> and uh, I talked to him yesterday. He said he lost his watch band in the middle of the, the Mosh Pit, and he was on the floor trying to look for it while people <laughs> just crawling around. Because <laughs> um, he's the head pastor of that church at the he time. He was, yeah. So you got your head pastor in the Mosh Pit. That's right. And, but that's the way he was, you know. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go be with the kids. Mm-hmm. This is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Now it's what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. that was just that was so much fun. It was just, I don't know. I, I don't know. Aww. I don't really have words. Yeah. For That was really important Yeah. for us to have, you know. And that's my memory of church, you know. Yeah. Like, it's Pastor Bill. He's the most affirming person in the world. <laughs> my mom said he doesn't take no for an answer. Very true. Ever. Very true. She's like, it's probably from his days as a salesman, but mm. he doesn't take the word no. Mm-hmm. He just keeps going. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I mean, I just drove up here one day, hadn't been to church in 15 years probably, and it was just to talk to him. I don't know. I was on my way home from work, and I was just like, I need to turn here. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to make a left turn. Mm-hmm. And I ended up at the church, and it was like, it was one of those moments where God was like, this is where you are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And you were supposed to seek him out, and I did. And it ended up, you know, in my mind, I just thought I was driving up to tell him about this this guy <laughs> that I wanted his daughter Nicole to meet, mm. um, which they did meet, and they did get married. <laughs> I'm just saying. And I will take the credit who's, for that. Who's but, keeping score? <laughs> <laughs> but God was using it for something bigger. You know, it was like, yeah. if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here, yeah. you know, I wouldn't be at church. Yeah. I wouldn't be singing. I wouldn't be reading my Bible every day. I wouldn't be doing any of those things. That's the influence that he had on me. Mm. And, you know, just wanting to feel that acceptance again was what brought me back to church. 